Kia ora, I'm Jen. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A TARDIS of One's Own. A queer feminist journey through time and space and new who. Hi. Hello. On a Tuesday, different day. Yeah, I know. I'm really mixing up the routine. Definitely something I'm comfortable with. No, it's actually fine. <laughs> but I am routine focused. You're very routine focused. <laughs> Jen has been. Today, she called me Captain Compliance. You are Captain Compliance. <laughs> you love complying to rules and or regulations. I've also had important notes from the sound editor of this pod that I need to be mindful of audible yawns and sighs. Yeah. Yawns and sighs. After my partner listened to the last episode, we were just chatting and I was like, what did you think? And he was like, um... I think it's probably because I can hear the noises of when you stifle it, but I did hear you stifle a yawn. <laughs> I was like, no, Jen I, gave me this feedback. <laughs> I had to cut out so many yawns. And I'm not bored, I promise. Well, but no, that's why I'm remembering for this part. Get the energy don't up yawn. The don't woo, woo, woo. Yeah, all. No, maybe like <laughs> 10 now. Yeah. yeah. We love you all. Yeah, we do. Every single one of you. You're all delightful. Uh, yeah well i mean unless you're problematic then stop listening please if you're a turf stop listening (laughs) no we just had a lovely outing there's a two-week burger event on in wellington called burger wellington yeah and they do it every year it's part of like a food festival and all the different cafes and restaurants that participate which is a shit ton make fancy burgers yeah over 200 of them wowzers yeah and we just had a lovely vegan one which was good if it on its own right, not mm-hmm. just for vegan, being vegan. No, it's a lovely vegan place that actually just does amazing food, amazing Italian food, and they do incredible cheese that they make in-house. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking vegan cheese is gross. No. Which normally I would agree with, yeah. because I've yet to have good vegan cheese, except mm-hmm. from this place, where it is some it's, sort of witchcraft. It's literally fucking sorcery. I have not yeah. ruled out it not actually being real cheese. <laughs> yeah. And we both, to clarify, we both eat normal cheese. Yeah, we do. So I vegan. was vegan for a while, yeah. and then I had vegan cheese, and I was like, it's so cheese-like and everyone was like no because they've eaten actual cheddar recently but now i'm back on the dairy bandwagon and it still tastes good it's delicious so yeah yeah it's just good cheese so yeah if you're in wellington and you want to go to a good vegan place hit us up yeah we'll give you all the tips so yeah otherwise doing great i think we have our our typical weekly work from home day tomorrow which means that tuesday evening vibes are pretty good typically yeah how are you doing yeah, good. Uh, I had a shitty weekend just because I had a migraine, so that was gross. Did not yeah. enjoy. Zero out of ten. Would not recommend. But I'm feeling better now, coming out of it. So yeah, looking forward to not having to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> uh, yes. That is the bar. Yeah. How about you? Have you been? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Fighting off ills and chills of winter. Everyone's mm. fucking sick. Not not your migraine thing, the no, no, the no, pervading the, yeah, cold the that's not COVID and... it, probably. Oh, Who's no. testing? I don't think they're testing. But no, yeah, good, good. Just been trucking along, trying to get back into a good routine for the old mental health. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so just feeling more present in my body, just getting more exercise in because it makes me feel better. Mm. <laughs> I know. Why is not lying on the sofa good for my mental health? <laughs> I mean, sometimes it is, but like not all the time. Yeah. So. It started to get lighter in the evenings, which is honestly a game changer. Like, knowing I can go to the gym and come back after work and it not be horribly yeah. dark. I feel like I'm running away from muggers lurking. See, in a normal country, you'd be like, yeah, spring, it's going to be great. But <laughs> living, well, it's not even a normal country, a normal city. Yeah. But spring is 
objectively the worst season in the city that we call home. And yeah, so we're going to spring, so we must weather the worst of it and then mm-hmm. summer. The two weeks of summer we get in February. Yay! Yay! And then it cools down for my favourite season, autumn. Love it. What a thrilling time for everyone. Yeah. I'd just like to point out that in this city as well, talking about the weather is a reasonable topic of conversation because mm. it does dominate 90% of our lives. So you might think this is boring small talk, but no. it's very vital to our 100%. enjoyment of life. And me as a historically English person, like this is my fucking dream. English people talk about the weather all the time, even when we have extremely static weather patterns all the time. So now I'm like, I can talk about weather multiple times a day and have relevant, interesting information. So yeah. Mm, great. Well, do you want to do our episode summary for this week? I would. Thank you very much. Uh, in the 2007, fuck 2007. Jesus Christ, there's a year I started uni. <laughs> anyway, Christmas special, the Doctor finds himself on board a spacefaring Titanic. When disaster hits the ship, the Doctor uncovers a threat to the whole human race. Battling alongside aliens, saboteurs, robot angels, and a new friend called Astrid, can he stop the Christmas inferno? Spoilers. Yeah, answer, yes. And this episode is called Voyage of the Damned. Voyage of the Damned. Yeah. Ooh. Big tell. I said no. I think it's a fucking sausage fest this episode. Yeah. And there's like, not... there's just lots of men. And then women don't talk to each other. Hey, like, nope. Astra doesn't talk to Foon. She doesn't, she doesn't talk to Foon. She doesn't talk to any other. There's like miscellaneous, like all the men that are like sorting things out with the hosts or whatever, like, like random Titanic mm. crewmen. They all talk to each other incidentally, but they're all fucking dudes. All the captains and Captain's sidemen for all dudes. Yeah. The annoying wanker banker. <laughs> He's a man. The old guy who's got a pretend degree. A man. Yeah. It's all just wall-to-wall It's just food and dicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, on that cheerful note, <laughs> what's our discussion question this week? So, it's my turn. And uh, I've gone with a theme of romanticizing the past. Love it. Yeah. Because we are on a, like the episode opens, something crashes into the TARDIS. The doctor's like, what is this? And a life ring gets thrown down to him or falls off Mm. and it's marked the Titanic. And it's like, oh fuck, it's a ship. Is it the Titanic? And you quickly realize it's a spaceship called the Titanic. And then exposition helpfully tells us that the people, beings on board the ship have named it Titanic because it's the earth's most famous ship. Not knowing, obviously, the actual backstory of what happened with the real Titanic. And they're all, like, in, with some license, period dress. Yeah. But in, like, a fancy dress way. And, like, everyone's kind of, it's decked out like it's, you know, the 19-teens. Yeah. But, obviously, this is a Disneyland version. Yeah. Of the true... 1920 experience. Yeah, or like 1912. Yeah, um, it was. <laughs> it's okay. It's Early 20th century. <laughs> yeah, of the actual experience of what happened on the Titanic and the incredible hubris beyond imaginable suffering and loss of life. And I think that this happens a lot. Like once it gets past a certain point in history of something being remotely distant... We just start glorifying it's the way it. We're going to go with the war now. That mm. the last remaining survivors of the Great War. I mean, yeah, they're pretty much all dead right now. Yeah, right? so it's only a matter of time. And then Second World War soon. Yeah. That's long ago. Yeah, we just went to see Oppenheimer last week. Speaking of not romanticizing the past. Fucking hell! Yeah, yeah. Like, would recommend. Great watch. It's not, you know, like no one's going in and expecting an uplifting tale, but. The way we all sat in deathly silence at the end of the film. <gasps> Fuck me. 
three hours of just humanity. Yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, there's this horrid event that's been glorified. The people that are like, oh, it's a fun name of a ship. We'll make this cute, like, 1912 style mm. kind of interiors. And with this idea that they're so removed from the context. And I think that for that distant history, we kind of have this feeling of like, well, it's fair game if it's out of living memory, mm, I suppose. Mm, mm, like, interesting. we have in a way that they could do this kind of Disneyland version of the Titanic that's kind of acceptable to be like, it's Titanic themed or whatever, in a way that we would never have 9-11 themed something. Oh, yeah. That's way too recent. Too soon. Yeah, too fucking soon. And like, you know, there's still the kids of people who died that day. There's still the Mm, partners mm, of people, mm. husbands and wives of people who died that day. Like, so once something is kind of out of our quite short generational memory. Yeah. We can be like, okay, well, we'll just think of the good things of it, the cute things, the happy things, and gloss over. Yeah, and it's over. also the way that we as a, sometimes wipe traumatic things from our collective memory, right? Like, when COVID was first kicking off, people were like, this is not the first time something horrible has happened. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. Spanish flu, yep. bubonic plague, all these things. But, like, there's very little, I guess, evidence of people who talk about the Spanish flu. Like, pe- when it was done, no one wanted to talk about it. And we see that in real life now, right? Yep. Like, people act like COVID is over. No one wants to acknowledge it. So when you look back at this period of history, there won't be that much art about it or anything like that, right? Mm. And we're in the most documented time Mm. of history. So what now would survive is the most information that's ever survived to... I was reading a thing, it's a New Yorker article that was like, why do we romanticise the past? And it was actually written during COVID because a lot of people were being Mm. very nostalgic for different times. Like people were doing lots of like, oh, I wish it was... When was the last time I was truly happy? Like 2001, you know, mm. that sort of thing. And there's a, a bit in it where a doctor says the process of recalling the past is always dictated by the perspective we're coming into it with and the questions we're asking about the past. So it comes from the current lens. So when you look back at something and you're like sort of romanticizing what happened, you're bringing the person you are now to that moment and not mm. looking at it as the moment it is and that's why we see this a lot with like white people in particular who were like oh I wish I lived in the 1920s or I wish I lived in the 1800s and it's like yeah you're a white person you're probably a white male but for someone who is maybe a person of colour or a woman living in that time was very very different trans or queer yeah yeah 100% I think that it's easy to yeah like you say lose that context in a protective way because it just it's fucking shit like some stuff is really bad it's really awful and you know like the black death in the which one the 14th century one or the 17th century one i think they think wiped out about a third of europe Mm, mm, mm. imagine a third of europe dying now yeah insane one in three people yeah the same article goes on to say that you basically start with nostalgia because like if we start the quote is if we start out with the hypothesis that things were better in the past then we'll pull out memories to confirm that so basically it's just a coping mechanism and if you already think it was better you're just there's a confirmation bias and i think we see this in politics Mm -hmm. like with brexit with trumpism with even i would argue here with our coming to our election people be like oh it used to be so good and we used to be such a good country and you're going and looking for that for those proof points yeah and you just ignore the fact that actually no there was a lot of problems as well but that doesn't serve your narrative right no it doesn't and i think the the collective 
online community have done some great strides in this area when you have that narrative again like a classic boomer one is no one wants to work these days and so someone on like tumblr will dig out all these snips of microfiched victorian and 20th century yeah yeah all these newspaper clippings of people writing into the editor in like 1900 and being like you know i don't think the children today is one to do a hard day's labor anymore and just just how people are and have been but yeah like you say it's easy to say oh like things in the past sounded better because like with anything like with modern day instagram right it's the highlights reel that survives Mm, mm. and so we think of this like you know maybe in medieval times it's this like idyllic country base there's far less settlement the cities were a lot smaller it's pre-industrial revolution everybody's out in like idyllic bucolic kind of country settings yeah absolutely and we don't think about the horrible suffering with no anesthetic the probably life expectancy of the average person are probably like 40 women facing <laughs> like very limited contraception options mm. and the scariest thing they could do is risk childbirth and death like yeah. we don't talk about that stuff no pain relief dentistry <laughs> yeah but it's easy to just be like what is it cottage core on instagram yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just these like typically white women with long wavy hair like frolicking with a basket and a thin cotton dress on a slim body yeah Yeah. it just reminded me of that thing i sent you the other day that herical effects about the person being like there's no original ideas left in the world (laughs) i'm like my dude this was fourth century bc yeah literally and he's already like all the good ideas have been had as he carves it into a freaking wall ah we have been like this for a very long time. We stopped evolving a long time ago. Like, this is just cheap. We're just different outsides. This is just different clothes. We're just on the downward slide. Like, give, literally give someone from, like, ancient Greece an iPad and you've got a modern man. Like, I would love to read that story. Do you really, like, I briefly, no, I'm not going to say this because someone will steal my idea. But, yeah. Intellectual property. I wonder about that sometimes. If you just took someone from ye olde times and put them in the modern world, how would they cope with their brains just implode? I'd be like, see a plane for the first time and this is another thing people romanticize i'm very guilty of this i romanticize mm. air travel a lot i'm always like when i'm at the airport you never used to see this it never used to be like this i get on a plane being like what is this why is my legs touching the plane in front of me it used to be like this i used to get a toiletry bag when i got on the plane yeah like, i mean you nonsense. did actually used to yeah but the seats are a lot better even like now than they used to be like i can acknowledge that we might have less space but they are so much nicer the seats comfier yeah, yeah. And, like, I remember you used to have to watch movies on the big screen in front. You that, you just had one film that mm. dropped from the front. And that's what we did. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, I got shitty on my flight to the UK because I had an old Etihad plane. I was like, oh, it's not even a touch screen. I have to use the stupid in-chair remote. Like, what is this? 2007? And I am the, the worst version of myself when I'm traveling. But, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you romanticize the bits that you want to think about. Like, people dressing up to fly and being all, like, mm, mm. civilized because... You know, yeah. Whatever. But actually, we there's a lot of good stuff that comes from the modern world. Yeah. No. Definitely. <sighs> I feel like people often romanticize queer history as well. Like they talk about things like Stonewall, especially during Pride. Right. There's a lot mm. of taking what you want from the past and trying to like appropriate it for these Pride celebrations, for all these narratives and stuff. But you negate the fact that it was never easy to be queer. No, it not at all. Struggle. I think we can acknowledge and thank and appreciate those strides of progress whilst also appreciating that they still left a lot of people behind. Yeah. Especially by people of colour, trans people. Yeah, same with feminism, right? Yeah. Like, often left 
black women behind, mm-hmm. especially, I think, you know, white feminism can be very insidious. If you look at that OG feminist movement, right? Votes for women, but only of the landed gentry, you know, not... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the first tranche of women in England or the UK that were allowed to vote were married women. Yeah, of so course. So it's like you, you're defined by your defined by your state of being fucking having your wagon hitched to a man. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot about, you know, I've recently spoken a lot about union movements and things like that and how I feel like people sit around waiting for us to be handed things like the four hour work day and stuff like mm. that. But of course we have an eight hour work day because people fought for it. People striked. Yep. Striked? <laughs> Stroked. Stroked for it. <laughs> people went on strike and did all these things in the union movement and like it wasn't always civil like I would argue that most progress doesn't come from civil protests it comes from people who blow shit up like the feminists did in England right but we rewrite that past we don't talk about the violence that goes into creating these things and then we sit around waiting for the government to hand us a four hour work day it's never gonna happen if you want that level of change you need to you need to make them listen. I'm not advocating for you to go and blow something up. I'm just no, saying. not at all. The, we, yeah. we take that out of the, the story. We take it out of the narrative. And I don't know if that's because it suits structures of power to remove those those mm. elements. Or is that just part of our collective rewriting? Like, as this thing says, you know, we remember the bits we want to remember. And because still, in a lot of ways, and for a lot of the last 100 years especially, there's been shyness, a kind of... Uh, it's not polite to talk about... Yeah. You know. Because I never realised the, the depth of yeah. the feminist movement that in, in England, right? And I read a biography about Kitty Flanagan, I think her name was. Mm. And she was one of the OG kind of like resistance fighters and stuff and how they were full on terrorists. They yeah, were yeah. Like hot, hot, blowing like things up, blowing cars yeah. up, doing all these things. And they were sort of stopped from doing it because of the war. Mm. Like the war was used as a way to, to stop them from doing that because they were like, we're actually fighting someone offshore now, so maybe can you stop blowing shit Yeah, up? because you're taking away the focus yeah. from what we need to be. Everyone needs to concentrate on the war effort. And a lot of feminists in the movement were against that because they're like, well, we've got momentum now. This is just a way for them yeah. to stop us from doing that. And Yeah, it's just fascinating how I don't think when we su- celebrate suffrage and things, you don't talk about that side of it. You don't talk no, about... No, fuck no. And people re- yeah. rewrite that, right? You're only a terrorist up until the point that you win, and then it's yeah. like... Famously, a suffragette threw herself under a horse and was trampled to death just to get that exposure to make the point. Like, this is my sacrifice. Mm. A bunch were repeatedly arrested and put in prison on hunger strike. And then they would be force fed through tubes, just like a fucking foie gras duck. Like, gross. Can you imagine? And then they'd throw it up on purpose and Mm. they'd be force fed their vomit. Like, incredible sacrifice. Yeah, and that's because of that, that we have rights. You can sit here and go, maybe we would have gone in it anyway, but look at Switzerland. They only gave women the vote in like 78 or something. Yeah, fucking ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, and you can't, I think that's the the other kind of tangent to romanticizing the past is trying to say, oh, you know, the what ifs. Like, oh, well, if that hadn't happened, then this would. And you're like, we don't fucking know. Yeah. Like, what happened happened and that's it. Yeah, it could have come along in 10 years time, but typically people don't give up power by being asked nicely. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like... Because, yeah, people in power structures have power, so they don't want to give that up. They're always going to fight for that. Any kind of suggestion that they should give it up is always going to be met with resistance. It's that whole thing, like, for people in power, equality feels like oppression. Yeah. Talking to cis white dudes. Every day. Yep. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's heaps to go with this. Maybe we turn to talking about the episode a bit. Yeah. So I want to just start by saying something that cracked me up, which is this man um, and his knowledge of Earth. 
She had very interesting yeah. opinions. From his degree in earthology. <laughs> from the laundromat or where it was from. Yeah, yeah. Because it cracked me up because I feel like if we were to think back of ancient civilizations, I do feel like we just make up a lot of shit. And I just thought of you in ritual purposes. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. Um. So I don't know if we talked about this before, but I did a degree in Egyptology. And a lot of the time, especially like in like older academia in Egyptological study, they will find stuff and they're not quite sure what it was used for. It's an <laughs> artifact, it's something, it's maybe in a museum. And it just gets grouped under this was probably for ritual purposes <laughs> as this catch-all. And it, since Sophie has pointed this out to me, now when I go to a museum and I see ritual purpose, I'm like, you have no idea they, what no this is. No fucking clue. No fucking clue. <laughs> not, not at all. Like, the best... Also, they just straight up deny what they possibly could. <laughs> One time I saw a labelled um, wooden model cucumber. <laughs> My guys, that is a dildo. Model cucumber. Why would someone want that? Great fucking question. Because people are prudes, right? In you know the nineteenth century when they found this stuff, (laughs) they're not going to be like a model cucumber. Well, clearly people were very uninformed because I'm only watching Bridgerton for the first time, kind of against my will. And these girls have no idea how sex works. No, they really don't. It's fucking terrifying though, right? It's like, what, you're just going to let her wander into her marriage not knowing a single thing? Okay, cool, this seems like... Where do babies come from? Like, that whole panic about... No, no, but can you imagine? Like, not knowing... No, I can't imagine because I grew up a normal person. Yeah. Well, I remember my... My... A relative of a relative, because I'm keeping this anonymous, I was told about, you know, when they were growing up in the 60s in England maybe early 70s by the time they got their period Mm. and ran screaming into the kitchen because they didn't know because they were like I'm bleeding I'm bleeding something's wrong and was like oh no this is normal every month now for the next 30 years can you fucking imagine having no heads up that that's something your body's gonna do fucking terrifying yeah who do we blame men always question is who do we blame the answer is always me because it's like you've got to keep this stuff secret and it's like yeah. you know like and this we don't talk about trauma we don't talk about bad things we just be nice and clean and normal and polite and on the yeah. outside ritual stiff off the lip yeah <laughs> ritual fucking purpose but yeah that's men in my head i'm like why have, this det- have they traveled in time have they come from the future dude honestly i have so many notes about this so go for it get stuck in yeah because i'm like it's, in my head they must have come from the future right so they must have time traveled to earth to be here right now because i don't feel like all of that matches up with present day earth and like the way yeah. that man talks about the earth i just don't feel like that can concurrently exist so they must have come from the future but there's nothing in the episode that suggests <sighs> nothing that. in the episode not at all so i started off thinking i came at it from the other angle and i started off thinking this was earth and the distant future and they've come from another planet mm. to future earth and like it doesn't have any humans on it anymore you know whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. i'd forgotten that they went down to earth because obviously they have to save some budget and do some like on a london <laughs> street but um yeah and i was like okay this is like contemporaneous but to a future earth mm. and it's actually yeah like you say maybe it's, it's they've time. time traveled yeah to a modern 2007 earth or they've just come they've... from real fucking far away and they said that they always orbit and never let anyone see them so maybe they've just been studying but they've never interacting to actually get information they're just getting information third hand but if you just tap into the internet dudes wikipedia would tell you more accurate shit like but yeah. then also the joke is that he did a bullshit degree so yeah which is great but yeah. i just don't think the titanic as a concept as a ship would exist if they weren't from the distant future you know what i mean like that disconnect mm. between like oh it's earth's most famous ship yeah but where have you come from at what point in time this was random it? planet yeah, like, yeah. 
Or did you build it when the Titanic was famous and it's just taking you that long to get here? But it doesn't seem like these people have been on a voyage for a very long time. No, it no, seems no. Like it seems jolly, like a like, little right? like med cruise. Yeah. yeah. So they kind of been on the boat for that long. Dude, I have so many questions about this. Like the next one, the main one, they're not human. <laughs> yeah. They look human, but they talk about the humans. Yeah. So what are they? Well, they could be time lords, I guess. Like, look at the time lord. Yeah, true. They look like humans it too. It could be anything. But also they've got RP accents. They do, because they're posh. It's that yeah. classic classism thing that Doctor Who loves doing, like Russell T. Davis loves doing. It makes me yeah. think he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder against well, rich people. Well, I think maybe he does. Which is fair. <laughs> I think there's some interesting echoes here where they're really trying to kind of, not going too hard into it, but tapping into that history of the actual Titanic. Mm. So Max Capricorn's hubris, that it's the fastest, the furthest, the best... You know, that the Titanic at the time, like its big slogan was it's the unsinkable ship. Yeah, I know. Mm. Maiden voyage. Yep. I said it on this podcast before <laughs> and I will say it again. There is a YouTube thing where they do a reenactment of the transcript of the last moments of the Titanic. And it's quite intense, especially when all the lights go out. I cannot imagine no. how terrifying that would have been. Freezing fucking cold. You're in the North Atlantic. You can't Freeze see anything. Everyone's screaming. Ugh. You hear the boat just making weird noises. This is why I don't go on boats. Same. 100%. 100% same. 100? 100%. 100%. percent the same. I agree. 100 emoji. <laughs> yeah, 100 emoji. Oh, I had one more point on the romanticizing the past theme. Hmm. In the... I think the Doctor does this with Rose. Yeah. Like, she's, you know, like, on this fucking pedestal. Yeah. How great was it really having her around? Well, I mean, it wasn't fucking all fucking cocaine and rainbows <laughs> all the time, was it? Like, they had some issues. They mm. had, you know, whatever. And he got frustrated with humans and his normal, like, toxic way. But, yeah, and I wonder yeah. if the, the Doctor is not also guilty of romanticizing Gallifrey. Like, his yeah. memory of Gallifrey. Like, even in this, he talks about it in that way, where he's got that whole little spiel, which I quite enjoyed. Where was it? Where he's like, I'm the Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey and the constellation of Castorborus. I'm 903 years old and I'm the man who's going to save your life and all 6 billion people on the planet below. You got a problem with that? Like, it's a way of talking that I don't think we've seen from him before. Mm. And it's kind of like, I don't know if the interaction with the master has reminded him of home a little bit. And yeah. Whether there is a little bit of nostalgia because like, we know that from what he, the action that the doctor took at the end of the time war, they weren't in a good place. The time lords weren't making good decisions, right? As no. a society, they weren't, weren't yep. doing well. But he's sort of romanticized past that because he's lost them all yep and a recent episode in that triple triple finale we saw how fucking rough it was the way they brought up their children yeah like that's not cool yeah i described that monologue as doctor's hero moment yeah and then also the doctor's hubris right he's making this promise that he can't possibly keep he mm-hmm. overestimates his ability and he's like yeah I'm gonna save all your life and everyone down below and he I think it really this episode really well this special really pushes the doctor in terms of what he can control like he's yet again forced to face that there's limitations and he's like yep. not one more which I thought was quite powerful yeah yeah I know but this does keep happening he's always like I can do everything I can save everyone and people die yeah and as but you pointed like, out from this. a lot of death in this episode yeah oh dude two suicides both women hmm like, two suicides, both women. What about um, Bella Fanakis? You could argue that was oh, a suicide. I mean, yeah. Um, Bella Catalata. Can I just call you yeah. Bella? No. <laughs> it's Bella Catalata. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I'm not going to assume a gender for no, Bella Catalata. That's true. Male presenting, yeah. though. Male presenting. And had the hots for Astrid. Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue. <laughs> 
She sounded very Australian. At she points. sounded very Australian. But I think she wasn't. Tra- I think she was just going with it. I don't think they were trying to cover her up. There's yeah, obviously but... in Australia on what's it? What's the plant? Stoke. Stoke. Stoth. 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 Stoke. 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 But I just think it's interesting that she still sounds that Australian when she's been living in the UK for so long. And right? America as well, surely, right? Yeah. She's been out of Aussie yet... since her and Charlene and Jason. No. <laughs> Jason's his real name. Something. I think he was Jason. Was he? Was he Jason? I think he might have been. Uh, no, he's Jason Donovan. Is his actual yeah, name? I know that, but was he Jason in the thing? <laughs> I don't know. Charlene and Fuck. Steve, Paul, I'm googling Mark. it. Mark. Jason no. Donovan neighbors for those playing at home. <laughs> Scott Robertson. No. What? Yeah, yeah Scott. 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 Charlene and Scott. There we go. From February that was 19... close. <laughs> 1986. We weren't born <laughs> to May 1989. Kind of was so young when she was in Neighbours. The training yeah. ground for Australian actors. Yes, much like Doctor Who is the training ground for every British actor. <laughs> yeah, ever. that's true. We all we all have our we all have our like actor kindergartens. I do think yeah that constant loss really mm-hmm. takes a toll on him, especially the loss of Astrid, because he's like, no, I can I can fix it, you know, I I can do anything. I'm a time lord, and I think yeah. it's hard for him to hear, and especially after he just lost the master, so he's he's lost that, he lost that fight, mm-hmm. and now he's lo- he just keeps losing. Oh, and he's had no break. It literally just rolled straight in. It's absolutely... Martha just went, Mm. like, seconds before he's kicked into this. I feel like there's a real temptation for him to go mad with power. I feel like there was a moment there, you know, when Mr. Copper says to him, you know, if you could actually choose who lives and dies on a whim, it would make you a monster. And Ten doesn't say anything. He just stands there like he's like, actually... So what of it? We'll get into that, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Poor Astrid, though. What a death. I know, and like, I just wrote Astrid, two exclamation marks, sacrifice, comma, Jesus. Because <laughs> she's stuck in this dead end job, and she's like, it's something we can all relate to being in a job that you have to do, even though you don't really yeah. want to. And then she did nothing to deserve that. She's just like trying to save the doctor's life after he saved hers. And yeah. Then... And then obviously, as soon as they started doing the, I'd forgotten that she did that with the forklift, but as soon as they started talking about, Oh, he's gonna. She's gonna travel with him. I was like, oh, Kylie Minogue's not gonna commit to a season. They can't afford that. No, they cannot afford that. So she's gonna die, and mm. she did. But then I guess she gets turned into some spirit molecule, so she gets I mean, to that travel. That was kind the of world. retconning the suffering of death, or like, just like the void of death. But like, okay, whatever. She can travel the world. Saying this, I did think overall a fun app. Yeah, I was into yeah, yeah. it. It was a hoot. Thought it was fast and pacey. Yeah, and I fun. thought it was pacey. We said that a lot recently, but it was. Yeah. Like compared to like season one and two, where sometimes it wasn't as pacey. No. I think yeah. I think it's the pacey. best Christmas special we've had. But yeah, hundred percent. I really felt for poor Foon and Morvan as well. These average people on this trip, and she tried so hard to win this oh. radio contest to the point where she had five thousand, what five million credits worth of debt. I think they said five thousand. Yeah, and he's like, we're gonna, have, we're gonna have we're to work it. will take twenty years to. I've got a point. Let's circle back to that because I've got a currency chat sidebar. But I also have upset take on that because you know she obviously throws herself because she's the... like well I've got this debt I'm never going to pay it well that's what I thought I yeah. think she's like you know you can read it as like well she doesn't want to live without Morvan but I think she's like I can't fucking pay this off for myself I'm just gonna you know, yeah she's like this. I think both of it that she's without him she can help everyone else out and she literally has nothing to go back to no. apart from a husband a situation debt. and a debt she can never pay and just suffering so she just eats herself into the void and takes out the horrible creepy there's someone who's currently engaged in calling a radio station multiple times a day in an attempt to win Taylor Swift tickets. I feel for you, Foon. I too may have to throw myself off a bridge, but no, it's okay because no one's answering my call, so I'm not getting charged. 
Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, Positive. good. Yeah, good. But if I actually have to buy Taylor Swift tickets on the secondhand market, I too might be 5,000 credits in debt. Yeah, that's so... okay. You can live in my garage if you need oh, to. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's you're fine. welcome. I'll give you tins of beans. <laughs> my budget doesn't stretch too much more. Just be a little right rat scaring yeah. around the yeah, back. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you a tin opener. Tin of beans. What if I just sleep in your car and protect it from who Oh my god, dude, we don't even talk about that. My car's been broken into again. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <sighs> I'm gonna get home tonight and we'll see if it's been towed or has it just so. been I mean if it's gone, who the fuck knows? Did a criminal take it? Did did a tow man <laughs> what take if it? Tow man turns up tomorrow being like, Where's your car? I know. Well oh. Or if he turns up and he's like, The key you left us in a secret location has been gone and the car's gone, and then it doesn't even care was stolen. It still counts as stolen, surely, yeah. even using a key. Don't, don't tell them don't tell the police that you can lift the key out. Insurance. What if they don't ask me directly? What if they ask me directly? Oh, here you go, Captain and Compliance. Like, no, but then yourself yet again. <laughs> With a wooden cucumber. Okay. Um, maybe let's fly through some random observations. Yeah, Max Capricorn is creepy as fuck. He's no, he's horrible. On I hate uh, him. ATM. I actually hate him. And he's yeah. like, I'm gonna go retire to a planet with metal. Like, this is no, the weirdest. No, with no, with lots of ladies who like metal. Yeah, like, I was like, it's kind of like an like he's giving Austin Powers baddie energy. Yeah, it I became just, pastiche. Also, didn't believe his motivation. I just thought that was too. It wasn't enough. Yeah. Old Rickton Slade. Oh my god, I've written wanker, banker, banker in space, arrow, I hate him, in caps. I love that the doctor also hates him, and he's like, oh, Rickson, I forgot, did you get the message? No, what message? Shut up! Like, yeah. Lol. Russell Tovey! Yeah. We love you. Alonzi Alonzo. Yeah, love cute. Very cute. Can I just say, these fucking heavenly hosts, they're creepy as fuck, Halo Frisbees, also, as soon as I saw them, I was like, Chekhov's fucking robot! Doctor Who cannot show you a mannequin or a creepy robot or a thing with a mask. These have all three and not be the thing that ends up fucking everyone over. Yeah. Like straight away. Chekhov's robot. <laughs> it's the sci-fi equivalent. I love it. It literally um, is. Angels again though, you know, saying oh, uh, I know. creepy angels. Yeah. Deadly frisbee things. But also I think seeding that God complex again for the Doctor. Mm. He's literally like snaps his fingers and gets yeah. elevated oh my to God, high like heaven. Jesus. Yeah. Brings a new meaning to ultimate frisbee <laughs> with the... <laughs> With the death halos. <laughs> yeah. I felt like the energy of this episode, because it was slightly feature length, not quite, like 110 minutes, mm. I think. 110, lol. An hour 10. So more than the usual 45, but not quite a film mm. length. But it kind of started off kind of Star Wars-y. You know, we're in space, we're visiting, almost Star Trek probably. Yeah, we're kind yeah, of yeah. on an escapade, we're visiting. But then it ended up being like, Poseidon. Like, have you seen the old school movie Poseidon? Poseidon Adventure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when they're like, the ship goes down and then it's upside down and they have to crawl up where you yeah, see the yeah, ship. Yeah. And, like, and they're also, trying to... Poseidon is very much about people working together and trying to overcome yeah. against all odds, which is not really what Titanic is about, right? Like, no, not, not at all. Yeah, together. no, 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 because that ship fucking sank like a fucking concrete block and they all died if they were poor. So Poseidon is about then like, you know, squeezing through tiny spaces yeah. and working their way to rescue. And The poor thing is interesting because I did note that when Foon and Morvan were talking and they're like, we're not good enough for that. I think they think we should be in steerage and then the doctor like does a little yeah. prank on them. But I was like, oh God, if you're in steerage, you're definitely dying. <sighs> it's horrible. I hate that. I hate the overtones, like the classism there. That, that horrible table of Richie's laughing mm. at them. And also really 
are fat phobic. Yeah, all the horrible. jokes about food. Yeah. The jokes about food, the jokes about fatness, like her being able to squeeze through small gaps. Like they were just enjoying their meal in and a totally like normal way. I feel like the was good about like just being. Yeah. But yeah, the, the rich people were definitely. It's horrible. Like against the fucking wall when the revolution comes, I'll tell you that for free. I love the Christmas thing where the man was like, now human beings worship the great god Santa, <laughs> creature with fearsome claws. And he's like, and then they go to war with the country of Turkey and then they eat the turkey people for Christmas dinner like savages. And everyone's like, <gasps> No, people do have to decide a fest- Christmas is a festival of violence and you- human beings only survive based on whether they're good or bad and it's barbaric. And the doctor's like, well, that's not true. And then he's like, what am I saying? My Christmases are always <laughs> like this. Well, yeah, they are. Yeah, again, the TARDIS yeah. has to yeat itself off somewhere to other ways they could have just TARDIS off the ship and everyone would have been fine. It would have been over in 10 everyone minutes. Everyone in the TARDIS. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's out of the picture to explain that. But even in the opening minute of the show, the TARDIS fixing itself after it got the ship flew into it was mm. super cool. Like, it kind of yeah. just, like, redoing its panels. I just thought that was a nice little bit of... It's a very smart ship. Tech. Kindly, I think I think Kylie did a great job. Yeah, she was great. I think she was good. I'd like now for you to step into Soph's science corner. Excellent, my favourite place to be. So the ship's wheel, which is like the helm of a ship, <laughs> was spins laterally, right? Like a helm of a ship is attached to a rudder or whatever the space rocket, space rocket engines are. But then when it's flying down over London, Buckingham Palace, it then fun- functions like a plane's joystick and moves an entirely different plane. So I noticed it started up. doing that when after the initial explosion. So everything in the, mm. the, the on the bridge was all over the place, and then suddenly the whole thing was moving. Yeah, it was like all loose. So I'm like, maybe. But yeah, I guess maybe because of the spaceship it moving has around. To... They're in orbit. Like, what's with the with the engines putting it sideways and ruffling around? Because they're they're just in orbit, and they'd have a gradually decreasing orbit. You don't just start falling like a rock from orbit. That's not anyway. It's accelerating towards yeah. orbit. So when Doctor attempts to save Rastred, bring her back from the ether, doesn't do it, it's very sad, turns her into little dusty particles and is like, now be free to roam, opens a porthole whilst in orbit. Maybe there's like a magical shield outside. It's not explained. Which I assume... And we're like, cool, let's open fucking into fucking like... Space. Yeah. Before you were almost sucked out because someone opened something. Yeah, exactly. And you had to put the oxygen shield across, right? He didn't do that then. Well, maybe it's just always there. Well, it wasn't there before. I thought the TARDIS must have that as well because otherwise when the Titanic crashed into the TARDIS wouldn't it have been like... Yeah, it would have got it but it had its shields up or whatever. Cool, and then now, currency. So, yes. in the episode, Foon admits to her husband I spent 5,000 credits mm. on getting the competition tickets. It's going to cost them tw- like 20 years in their low-paying jobs to pay yeah. off. Later on, the Earthologist tour guide is like I've put penny cash on this credit card just a million pounds. And the doctor was like, that's 50 million, million credits. credits. Yeah. So it's times 50, a factor of 50, to, is the mm. exchange there. So that means that 5,000 credits, there's only 100 pounds. Mm. And 100 pounds is going to take them 20 years to work off. I feel like they just fucked the numbers a little yeah, bit. Yeah, also if that man's like, I just put a million pounds on there. I suppose he doesn't know it's credits. But, yeah, like that but a million credits is somewhere. a fuck ton. Yeah. Even that number to him. If 5,000 credits is something that it would take off... Uh, usually it's the other way around if your currency yeah. is that undervalued, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so I just think they just could have spent 10 seconds more on that and made that a little bit more believable. <laughs> Must have been 5 million credits instead. Well, yeah, maybe world. they should have said 5... Because that would have at least made sense. Anyway, uh, I think that brings us to some standouts. Yeah. What do you have? So I love Wilf, Donna's grandfather, who is in the 
you'll find out later that he's Donna's grandfather, but he's the man and the news agent who's sitting there and he's like, me and the queen, we're still here. Oh! And he's like, don't you dare, you aliens, don't you dare. Oh, we'll yeah, shaking his fist. Yeah. And I yeah. love that. I actually, that's my stand-up moment is that they get down there and there's no one around because the Londoners are like, fuck this. Finally, some sensible decision-making. Yeah. And I like this because typically, you know, you get like, oh, like everyone gets their memory wiped or it's a return to timeline mm. or whatever. But no, this is the same Earth timeline getting fucked over every Christmas like, by a Christmas Doctor Who special. <laughs> and so they're like, nah, this is like, what's like, everything's gone to the fucking dogs. It's always London. So we're yeah. just going to see ourselves out for Christmas. Thank you yeah, very much. That's awesome. And ah, the queen cool. and all her corgis. So mine was, I mean, just a few, just general kind of, like, I think Kylie, as I said, I think she was doing a great job. Yeah. When she mocks the TARDIS for being like, it's small, lol. And then she gets floaty with the doctor. She's mm. like, there's a tradition. And then gets a little, but it's just very cute. It feels yeah. wholesome. I feel like they do give her agency and they give her power. They maybe lean into the, like, she's a cutesy waitress a little bit too much. But I think Kylie did a cracking job. I remember at the time when they announced that Kylie was going to be the companion for the Christmas special, that there was a little bit like a, oh, she's just a pop star. Yeah. Or she used to be on a soap. But she, like, held her own. Yeah, I thought she was great. Balaclava Balaclava He's great. And then, take me to your leader. Yeah, I've always wanted to say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, so overall, cracking it. I was into it. Yeah, I loved it as well. Great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well then, next time we'll be watching... Episode, episode 1? Four. Yeah, season 4. Episode yeah. 1, which is called Partners in Crime. Yeah. So let us know your thoughts by emailing own at gmail.com or find us on Instagram. Check out the show notes for links and for all the references discussed in this app. A lot was just vibes. We've got but one New Yorker article. Yeah, cite. Cite it. Cite that motherfucker. Cite your sources. <laughs> yeah. And uh, go find some things for ritual purposes while you're out there. Yeah. Actually, if you go to a museum and you see something for ritual purpose, can you take a photo and send it to us? That'd be great. Oh my God. Have I told the story of me going to Auckland's museum when I first moved over to here? So after I graduated from my degree in England, I moved here to live with my family full time because they emigrated a bit before and went to Auckland's museum on the domain in Auckland. Lovely Mm. museum. They have a small ancient worlds room, which is like Egypt, Greece, Mm. you know, and a few artifacts never to be stolen from you know the northern hemisphere uh we'll gloss over that for now so <laughs> i did egyptology and my main languages were egyptian but my second language was coptic which is like it's a language used in later later ancient pre-modern egyptian history by egyptian christian community mainly not written in hieroglyphs written in like the cyrillic alphabet borrowing some letter shapes from greek yeah mm. anyway and so there's like a lot of little ostraca pieces of pottery with text on it that survived from that time Mm -hmm. and they had one on display and i was like holy shit there's an ostraca with text on it Mm. and my mum was with me and you could make out the letters on it but the little um sign next to it said oh that this was marking a gravestone it's a bit of pot with some writing on it it's gravestone of maria this woman and i was like mum i can't like it's only been a few months since i graduated i can't read this coptic and i turned my head sideways sideways <laughs> sideways and it was upside down which is the reason <laughs> that i could not read it because obviously they don't have a cop assist it's super random Did you tell them? yeah so i emailed the museum after we left it was just like hey just heads up um your your ostraca is, is upside down like you can't read the coptic it's the wrong way up and they were like thank you we'll tell the curator and the next time i went back like a few years later it was the right way up that's amazing 
amazing. <laughs> That's you know they tell you these degrees aren't practical, but yeah, here we fuck go. yeah. Also, you've just reminded me of the ancient complaint tablet. Do you are you familiar with the complaint tablet? Like it's a clay tablet from like 1750 BC that has a complaint on it. A guy had bought something. Is it he... cuneiform? It's like um, it's Ian Nasir's complaint tablet. Okay. Oh so yeah, yeah. Gonna... That sounds cu- that sounds yeah. cuneiform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. A complaint to the merchant named Ian. It would be like Akkadian or Sumerian. Yeah, Akkadian. Correct. Yeah. And yeah, he just compl- it's the oldest known written complaint, and it's just this dude who complains. And yeah, it's very popular on the internet because everyone's like, as per our point, people have been doing the same things. Hundred percent millennia. Yeah. Like this is it. We're just the same. Just that guy had some wet clay and a and a stylus and, and also we've got the tumblr to complain about your shit copper that took blood sweat and tears when i send a tweet to complain at jetstar yeah. that costs me nothing <laughs> oh my god lol. anywho so on that note um, well yeah. have wonderful weeks great everyone see you next we'll time we'll be back we'll record in a fortnight and uh yeah, yeah. all right keep it fresh <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>